Hello, my father. Uh, hello, my son. Can you hear me okay? <laughs> yeah, can you? Yes. Okay, good, good. I may be switching between the phone and the car. I'm still dropping off my daughter at uh, marching band, but uh, oh, on my way back. Okay. okay, okay. That's going well? Yeah, it is. Uh, she's, it's tiring, but uh, she's enjoying it. And it's not, it's indoor marching band, right? Performance indoor ensemble. Right. So it's not as hot and sweaty as outdoor marching band can become. Right. Or actually cold and windy today. It's kind of odd, the weather, <laughs> but see. that's life. Okay. So she's also going to be participating for part of the conversation? Uh, no, no, I finished dropping her off. I'm on my way back. I got the dogs and be starting our walk shortly. Okay, all right. So which chapter are we studying today? I think it's chapter five or six. It's the one about uh, oil. So it uh -huh. starts with, I think it's Henry Flagel, his partner, and yes. goes through him, you know, in a world of booms and busts and lots of small-time yeah. operators. He builds a large, steady, dependable business, uh, which right. is the upside of it. Um, it, it is, um, and so, like from a business perspective, he is firing on all cylinders, right? He is okay. uh, the largest oil refiner in the world. Ernie, he, can you wait one second? I have a sure. call coming. I'll come right back. Okay. Sure, no problem. We'll pause here. I can review the story of Rockefeller so far for anyone joining the podcast. He grew up in a boom and bust family where he had a father who was a uh, inveterate moneymaker uh, of questionable legality and ethics and unquestionably bad personal morals who basically was a bigamist among other things. And that made Rockefeller uh, alternate between living with his poor but honest mom in sort of extreme scarcity, and then his father would show up spontaneously with large amounts of money um, unpredictably and pay off all their debts and things would be wonderful. And this led to, I think, Rockefeller's deeply conflicted views towards money, which made him the most insanely efficient businessman the world had ever seen, and the template for every startup founder since then. Um, uh, for better and worse. And a lot of the discussion we've been having has been about his complicated relationship with his father, with money, and with God. Because one way that Rockefeller either redeemed or rebelled against his father was by becoming deeply religious like his mother. And he mm. was a strict teetotaler. Unlike his father, he was very faithful to his wife, um, right. uh, who shared his business uh, passions. Um, but uh, this this episode definitely delves straight into the heart of the question is, what were the secrets of Rockefeller's business success, and were they ethical? Because uh, that comes right. up a lot in his dealings with the railroad and competitors, et cetera. So that's where we're at. Welcome back, Dad. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the railroad, in order for him to use them, there were several railroads. Mm-hmm. So in order for him to choose their own railroad, they gave him some uh, uh, rebates. What shall we say? Uh, yeah, rebates. Rebates. So rebates. Yes. Rebates. Uh, rebates are you pay them and they give you money back, right? Well, yeah, I wasn't exactly. Sure but basically, the the, the 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 practical effect is is a discount. Right. A discount. Right. Is is, is that you pay him Is that you know, there's the listed rate, and then there's your special rate that you get. And, okay, cool. and, and to be clear, Rockefeller usually got this by making what we would nowadays call a pre-purchase agreement, right? If I'm going to buy, you know, I agree I will buy $1,000, you know, worth of freight, uh, and because I'm buying it in, in advance, you know, you give it to me for $900 or whatever, right? And so... So, you know, I mean, we can mention names here, because I don't know how far we're going to go, but 
when uh, Walmart came to Rochelle, all the yes. other businesses uh, like grocery stores, like mom and pop stores, as well as even chain stores like Sullivan's or Eagles, folded because, uh, like you said, in bulk, Walmart was able to buy things cheaper and sell them cheaper than the other places, right? Yeah. So the word here, uh, yeah, yeah, the word here that will be uh, possibly the amplified title is economies of scale, right? Uh, or scale economy, right? And this is a classic business theme, which I don't know if it existed before this. I mean, I guess it probably did because you did have chains and you did have some sort of mass manufacturing, but right. really, until the Civil War, you didn't really have this large national market. And, you know, this idea of scale manufacturing, like Eli Whitney and the cotton gin and then the yeah. parts for the rifle were a big deal. Mm. And uh, this complexity is really, uh, you know, so this, um, there's a whole bunch of things tied up in this. And I just like want to have the Walmart discussion because the, the framing that Ron Chernow puts on it is that, one idea of how the economy would evolve is that there'd be all these networks of independent railroads. Right. Um, and there would be uh, all these small businesses that already existed would be able to share and transport their stuff across all these railroads. And it yeah. would just make this existing uh, or distributed, I think the word is distributed, um, uh, network of suppliers more efficient and um, economical for him. Part of, uh, let's, let's. Uh, well, well, so for, for, for everybody, right? The idea is all these small suppliers would become more efficient and it would be the same thing, only better, is kind of the idea. And no, what's I, fascinating, yeah, hmm. and, ahead, and the alternative ahead. is that you get what's we now call a winner-take-all market, which is that somebody realizes how to make things way more efficiently, and they put all the small mom-and-pop suppliers out of business. Right. Right? And this uh, discussion of distributed versus centralized has been coming up a lot with me this last week, which has been really amusing. Uh, I've had, like, two podcasts. My two other podcasts. Uh, both the one I do with my friend Robbie about uh, morality, uh, mm. um, talking about, you know, all the structural evil in civilization about, you know, the military industrial complex, for example. Right. And then uh, my civic engineering podcast I do on the Wisdom app, um, mm. talking about the nature of civilizations, uh, you know, and even at work uh, and, and in some ministry projects, I was like, hey, we're trying to design architects here. Do we try to create a centralized architecture which enforces consistency and makes things much cheaper for everyone else in the system? Or do we have a more ad hoc peer-based system where everyone can do their own thing and no one person dominate? And so anyway, it's been a big theme. And the reality is, is that if you have a centralized uh, top-down system that dictates the rules, it's way mm. cheaper for everyone else oh, uh, yeah. at the price of a loss of diversity and arguably a loss of uh, autonomy on the part of everyone else. And that right. is playing out in the American economy in the 18, you know, uh, 40s and 50s. First, literally, the Civil War was about this, right? Like, hey, can each state decide whether or not to uh, to have slaves or even to be in the union, right? <laughs> right. Mm. That was literally the question of the Civil War. And, you know, Lincoln and the North resounded, no. It's like, you know, there are certain rules that apply to being part of the union. One of them is that you don't fire on federal facilities. Mm. And Lincoln finessed yeah. that very nicely. But then it was yeah. like, no, you don't get to decide whether or not human beings are slaves. Yeah. Uh, you know, that was uh, an outcome of the war. And the consequence of that was centralized power, uh, like Thanksgiving Day. I mean, that was the joke that Seward had with Lincoln, 
is that they're just running ramps. Uh, uh, they're uh, railroading, probably the right word, maybe another episode title. <laughs> they railroaded yeah. a lot of things, you know, the income tax, uh, the draft. Um, Thanksgiving, actually, they standardized and nationalized Thanksgiving during the Civil War. So oh, they're trying to create this like national that. culture. Before that, everyone okay, had different Thanksgivings. They celebrated on different days. And they oh, made it a national thing. They centralized it, right? And, like, it's a little thing, but it's also, like, who gave the federal government the right to do that? It's not in the Constitution. It's not mm -hmm. obviously a part of interstate commerce. It feels like right. an abuse of power. But it's mm -hmm. one of these things that when you do it, it's standardizing. So, like, you know, I can live in California and fly right. home to Illinois for Thanksgiving. You know, because yeah. we all, like, it makes things all... You know, but it's definitely yeah. taking away autonomy. And this is a hard question, but an extremely important one. And, you know, Rockefeller, you know, it's one thing when states do it, right? And we think about empires, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, priests and temples and things like that. What's yeah. really weird is that we have this random private citizen Right. Um, who just accumulates market power through sheer uh, force of will, basically, <laughs> yeah. right? And then starts rationalizing a market on his terms. Yeah. Um, and I think the important point to point out, in uh, un under a veil of secrecy, right? This was the thing yeah, that really the got Ida part. Turnbull yeah. really yeah, upset. The second part. It, mm -hmm. the second yeah. Part, yeah. Is that these things oh. were not like... Standard volume discount where it's like, hey, you know, everyone who buys this much volume has this much. These were all secret deals. And to be fair, Rockefeller did this because the other railroad consortium was doing their own little lowball politics of trying to shut out Cleveland. And like, so it's not yeah. like all these other people being upright and virtuous and he's playing, you know, street level hardball. Like all these other people are arguably far less moral and ethical than he is, being either incredibly short term or incredibly selfish. And so he's coming in as, you know, white knight saying, you know, hey, let's solve these problems for you in a way that's win win for us. And these bad guys who are blackballing us, you yeah. know, will end up shooting themselves in the foot with their own greed, which they do. Okay. Yeah, let me let me stop you there for a second because I need to ask you a couple of questions because I don't remember the sure. details of the yeah. chapters. Uh, one, sure. you see, was he saying that you know this is like a monopoly? You can uh, if you uh, first of all, if you give me this rebate, I'll use only your railroad. Did he say that mm -hmm. that means uh, you cannot have this rate for anybody else or you see, nobody else can use this railroad. Did you say that, your railroad, something like that? I, 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 in this context, what it said was, uh, they said a couple things. One is that, like, the specific thing was, he basically told this railroad, like, mm. I will guarantee that I buy, like, entire trains at a time rather okay. than individual cars, right? Okay. Which made their cost cool. structure and logistics way simpler. Yeah. And in turn, they gave him a really good rate. And as far okay. as we know, I mean, this is all secrets. So we don't actually know the terms is the first right. part. But yeah. the, the, the author says, A, that uh, there is some evidence that other suppliers got better rates. So there was nothing hmm. exclusionary or exclusive in this. Like at, okay. at various points. It wasn't necessarily at this point in time, right? Hmm. Um, and so, um, and the other thing that he claims is that, like Rockefeller didn't actually mind the controversy over the rebates because it mm. wasn't that big of a deal for yeah. him, you know, yeah. uh, and, and, and like it distracted from other far more pernicious things that he might have been doing that would have been far more, uh, you know, damaging if people had looked at them. But for me, so it's interesting, like, why was this a big deal? And like, should it have been a big deal is, is a really interesting question. Mm. Um, and I think part of it is that like when someone wields a lot of power and you don't mm. know how they're using it, that is intrinsically terrifying. Okay. Right. 
it's not like he's an elected official who can be voted out of office. It's not like he's even a, um, um, you know, a, like well, that's the thing. It's like he's just this random guy who's doing all this stuff, and no one knows what he's doing. But it has massive consequences for people's lives, businesses, and society. Kind of like you know the backlash against big tech that we're going through right now, right? Which one? It's like you know big tech. Like the algorithms that Facebook and Google or Twitter's yeah. content moderation policy, right? Like mm. people, you know, it's like people say, oh, it's a First Amendment right. You know, well, so the First Amendment doesn't actually cover this. If anything, it, it means that the government, you know, is has a very difficult time regulating. It's like, Steve, yeah. Steve, uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because at this point in time, there was no laws preventing monopolies uh, and you know so and also so uh, back, something like this yeah, was so not from deeper rebates either right so, so, so let's back up a bit right because this is this is all while well, he is still he, i say this actually he started out just in cleveland with a refinery and then he starts right. a branch in new york and also he yeah. set up products right so he's not yet a monopoly uh, or yeah. in that sense, or right, the, the, the concept of the trust busters and the monopoly—that issue isn't happening now. What is in right. case now, which is fascinating for me, is this idea of a common carrier, right? In that the um, railroads were given public charters to have eminent domain, right, which was explicitly a constitutional right to say that we can take private land for public purposes. Sorry, the right, yeah, the eminent domain, yeah, right, right, yeah, right. And so, because of the eminent domain, the railroads had a public charter, you know, and therefore a public interest in how they were being used, kind of like mm. the FCC with the airways, right, right. And this led to this, and, and uh, there's rules for common carriers, meaning like they have to accept everyone's freight on equal terms. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, so uh, the other thing that happened, I, I, I don't know, remember when, is this in this chapter or not, I think he goes to buy uh, some other refineries or oil wells and probably tells them that if uh, you don't uh, give it to me, you won't be able to transport these things. Right. He we, have, to, we haven't gotten there. Right? We haven't gotten there yet. We haven't gotten there yet. Okay. Okay. Okay, yeah. So okay. this is really just a very narrow thing that mm. so the railroads were transforming America, right? That's the right. first part. And yeah. secondly, they were doing it under government charter, which is the second part. Oh, um, really? I and, didn't know that. Okay. Right. Like, like I said, the eminent domain piece, right? So the railroads could negotiate, like, I'm going to put a rail line here, and you as a private citizen have to give me a right of way. You have to sell mm. me your land so I can build yeah. this here. Uh, because otherwise you're not going to be able to get, you know, the easements or whatever. So, like, you, oh, you have to go from point A to point B. You have to go. Otherwise, like, the last person selling, uh, you know, one foot of land could block it for a million dollars. Right. right? Uh, and, and, but this leads to all sorts of, you know, so, like, it's a uh, – and I think the same thing that's interesting, as I understand it, is that the railroads were in some ways overbuilt in order to serve the Civil War. Right. Um, and so afterwards, they're all scrambling to figure out how to make money, uh, you know, not yeah. unlike the Internet. And so, like, the FCC and the broadcast spectrum has all these rules. And then the Internet went through something similar, um, you know, where there was, like, this massive overbuilding. And then there was this huge debate about net neutrality, which is very mm -hmm. much around the same issues as common carrier. It's like, hey, can, like, should, uh, is the Internet required to, to carry all traffic from all customers? Or can mm -hmm. you... As a carrier, she was like, so this is like, like Verizon. Can Verizon say, oh, we'll, we'll charge Google or Amazon less, you know? Or like, mm. I mean, this literally came up. Is can, like, I think it was T-Mobile said, like, mm. we will give you, you know, you charge this for data, but you get Netflix for free, right? Mm. So Netflix yeah. can cut a special deal, and like this yeah. made everyone up in arms in the tech community. Was like, you know, this means that. Big players are gonna get preferential treatment, and we're gonna shut up the small players. And and what's funny is, is in these sorts of debates, everyone.
everybody can point to examples like, oh, this one thing that they could do is really evil, right? It's easy to say that, but then you say like, okay, but like you can choose these extreme cases. Like, you know, I think Jesse James was, um, his house was railroaded and that's why he became a train robber, right? So the train robber, oh. yeah, so, you know, and it's like, you know, like, oh, this poor family that, you know, had their house and their livelihood was just destroyed by this evil railroad monopoly. Like, okay, well, this, you know, rail line that would benefit, you know, a million people by c connecting, you know, the continent across is being held up by this one jerk who wants okay. to charge a million dollars for a piece of property. Like, you know, yeah. it, it, it's not easy to see a single absolute right and wrong. There's a bunch of different trade-offs, all of which suck for somebody at some point. Okay, now let me ask you this question. Now yeah. I have Amazon Prime. Yes. So Amazon said, you come with us and order through us, you don't have to pay postage. Yes. Which is similar to this, right? Because well, if, I order, the... if I order directly from, uh, you know, uh, like uh, Edward and company, uh, I love to pay postage. If we go through Amazon, I don't have to pay postage. But, 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 but the question is, is that, well, uh, this is probably a better question though, is that every, mm. is Amazon Prime at least is a standard offer, right? Where for you everybody. are paying for everybody, right? So mm. I think the thing that, 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 so I think this is my problem. Like the, the, uh, the thing that would have been interesting as a counterfactual, mm. is if the railroad mm. said, okay, you, or, and you know, there, there were these common carrier laws, but they were basically mm. never enforced. If they mm. said, okay, you are allowed to offer rebates, would you just okay. publish the terms, right? If they say, hey, mm. you know, so that, you know, if Rockefeller is buying, you know, uh, trains by the, you know, train loads rather than car loads, or he's shipping, mm. he agrees to ship barrel of oil, anyone else, who ships that mm. much oil gets the same discount. Right. And so, right. right? And, 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 and well, then it would have been, it, it, it certainly seems like it would have been ethical, right? So the legality is unclear, but it seems like that was the intent of, is like, is it, okay, like, so like there's this is the idea of economies of scale. It's like, hey, if you have economies of scale, then you win just in the marketplace, right? By fair and honest competition, because you're just way cheaper. But, yeah. and this raises the question, and so interestingly, Rockefeller, you know, um, didn't you know, want to do it because of competitive reasons, right? Which right. is understandable, because he's in yeah. this cabalistic war with these other railroads, they're cutting all these yeah. secret deals, right? right? And like, if they know he's going to do this, then they could, you know, do something else that could undercut yeah. him or yeah. his competitive work, right? It's like being first and fastest, advantage, right? And yeah. well, it gives you an advantage. And this raises the really awkward question, what is a unfair advantage, hmm. right? And what is an unethical advantage? Or illegal, was it illegal? Or legal, right, or, illegal. Or, or, uh, yeah. When you say ethical, uh, no more morals. Uh, ethical, well, I don't know. That so this is a this is a discussion I had. Like, there's this I had this list. Right? It's like there's legal, ethical, moral, godly, and Christ-like are like all yeah. slightly different words that mean similar things. Uh, legal is especially tricky because, uh, like, it's one thing to say you know there's, there's this whole rule is like well you know you can make any profits you want as long as you follow the law, but then. At some point, you have this weird interplay between power and the law, right? The more powerful you get, the more you can influence the law, right? Uh, you know, yeah, you, know, like, you help with the senators. You help with the senators who passes the law that's favorable to you. Right, right, yeah. And, like, and it was, right, and it was, it was, it was, if you get rich enough, then you can lobby to change the laws, hmm. right? And you can control public opinion to make them support certain laws. And that's what leads to this existential terror on the parts of the Ida Trembles of the world. It's like, hey, you know, there is, especially when there's secrecy, 
right, is you don't yeah. know where the money comes from and where it's going. And so mm. legal, so the legal ethical typically means a sense of of social norms within a community. You know, like there's you know uh, uh, the, the the standards of ethics, and this is sort of the rules everyone agrees to play by. Right. Um, right. And which is great, which with, with I guess in equilibrium, where you have a well-defined market of players. Uh, you know, with very few, uh, with regulated entry into the market, ethics makes a lot of sense. The problem right. is, is that ethics, not one person's ethics is another person's uh, restraint of trade. Like, for example, uh, Uber versus taxis mm. is an interesting example of ethics. Like, well, the ethics are, well, in order to be able to pick up passengers, you need to have a taxi license, you know, right. you know. Which was understandable. On the other hand, taxi licenses were sort of kept artificially restricted, mm. um, and therefore, the yeah. right, right. Which is like, you know, if it's a rainy day in New York, you're screwed. It's impossible to get a taxi. And yeah. you know, and and like, and what's funny is that the reason for that is kind of mm. the same argument that Rockefeller was making about how mm. to manage these things. It's like, hey. We've got too many people competing, and it gets very like the boom and bust cycle, right? Mm. Is you have all these people coming in, drilling all these wells, and the market gets flooded, mm. and then goes down. that goes out, and then all these people go bankrupt. You know, and yeah. it's just you know horrifically inefficient mm. and painful for everybody involved. Mm. So he would like you know play all these games to try to smooth out supply and demand, like. To get that's why he set up his own branch in New York. It's very okay. He finds out that they discovered new oil. He stops buying oil, right? He he has to deal with all these insanities and inefficiencies in the market by taking more and more control mm. uh, and over these and manipulating things. You know, using inside information to make it all work out. He's doing something insanely hard that had never been done before, right? Which is trying to figure yeah, out. but like hey, you said, you know, all. Yeah, the question is, of course, was it just good business practice, uh, and uh, maybe he is uh, like uh, um, uh, pioneering this kind of uh, enterprise, or is it uh, taking advantage of people being uh, immoral or unethical? Right, and, right? And, and as usual, the word I object to is just, or the word that's problematic is just. Like yeah, it right. is clearly yeah. a good business practice, and the question yeah. is, is it just? good business practice mm. right and that's the nuance that is so painful in dealing with rockefeller is that like clearly he could not clearly what he did was extraordinary uh you know like he said he was like not just self-made but self-invented he invented right. so many things uh, mm. uh you know that you know and clearly he produced a lot of good in the world right in right. terms of right. Uh, you know, illumination, you know, saving the whales, uh, you know, unifying yeah. <laughs> the country, supplies in the market, lowering prices, like so many, like there are many good things. Mm. And yet, uh, uh, and it is certainly true uh, that many individuals were benefited. It is yeah, also true, him. yeah, mm. but include, especially him, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, um, and it's also true that many individuals ended up on the losing end of interactions with him. Right. And one of the questions is, well, did they deserve to lose? Was the, the pain and suffering that they experienced at his hands, did they deserve it? Or was that unfair? Right? Like we that talked about that at the beginning. My example. That goes to my Which example. Is? By Walmart coming in. Sort of yeah. Thing. Was it, another problem is, uh, when Walmart came in, we could have gone and supported the local businesses, even though we had to pay a little bit more. We didn't do that. We all went to Walmart yeah. because it's cheaper. You so, voted with your feet, uh, as they we, say. Yeah, I don't know, what was our role in it? You know, should we be uh, just going for the cheap thing, or should we support local businesses? That's another question. Right. I mean, right, and like and this, this, this played out in San Francisco where the San Francisco voters voted 
to ban Walmart from San Francisco. <laughs> okay. Right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and, you know, on the one hand, it supported all these local grocery, whatever. On the other hand, it meant higher food prices. It meant right. that there were food deserts in San Francisco where there was no grocery stores. Mm-hmm. You know? And so, like, yeah. this is the, uh, you know, and like, and exactly like, and this is the thing that is awkward in that, like, it kind of depends on when and where you look. Like, in the, yeah. in, in the, because, you know, generally speaking, centralization tends to, in the marketplace, tends to favor uh, consumers in the short term and very much hurts small businesses. And in the short term, it very much, yeah. you know, benefits consumers and hurts competitors. Right. Right. You know, no question about that, right? There's a big, and, and generally speaking, the competitors are richer and fewer, and so they scream more loudly. Um, yeah. And so if they have political power, they will use it to keep from getting centralized, which means it will actually pass all the costs to the consumers, right? There's that <laughs> yeah. awkward dynamic. In the long term, what's interesting is that, you know, monopolies, and we can get to that later, you know, can lead to higher prices or lack of variety, right? I mean, when we talk about uh, the H&T Bell Labs. Yeah, I was going uh, to right, the that. Bell system. The bomb bell breakout. Yeah. That was the first time I heard about, you know, the, the uh, monopoly becoming illegal, and they had to break up and, antitrust. Yeah. Antitrust and what's funny, of course, is... Yeah, and then there's a whole saga of how it got broke up and what was lost and what was gained and how they reassembled it later. And, uh, you know, we were just talking about T-Mobile and there's an AT&T which is sort of reassembled from the pieces of the old Bell breakup. But, like, the Bell right. Labs was fantastic for uh, what they were doing in terms of lowering the cost of yeah. local long distance, uh, local, mm. dis- uh, local call at the price yeah. of insanely high long distance. Right. Okay. They had a business model. They optimized it in certain ways, did an extraordinary thing. But then, you know, um, the, the consequences were certain things just don't happen when you have a monopoly because their business model, uh, you know, doesn't require it. And like nobody can do anything about it. Like you could have any phone yeah. you want as long as it's black kind of a thing. Right. And think about what is a phone today <laughs> compared to what was a phone when we were growing up, right. you know. Right. These were all consequences of that breakup. And I think this is the kind of sense that, I mean, my thesis here is that there, there is no, uh, the, the, another verse that came up this week was that the light of Jesus, where, you know, the man says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus is going, mm. why do you call me good? Mm. Which is a fascinating phrase. Yeah. Is, you know, and this goes back to the whole idea of the knowledge of good and evil. Right. Mm, and, okay, okay. Mm. you know, what is, you know, like, you know, we want, you know, I, I think it is a very human thing to want to say, was Rockefeller a good guy or a bad guy? Or was this actually good or was it evil? But maybe that's the wrong question. Mm. Or maybe right that's, question? um, so I think there's, that's that's a great question. <laughs> that, maybe we'll start there. What is the right question, right? I think starting there, okay. thinking about it, it's like, why are we even? Why do we want to know the answer to that question? Is because I want to be able to condemn or excuse Rockefeller? Is that my motivation? Is it that I am worried about Rock? You know, um, oh, am I worried about the societal consequences? But what, but what do we learn? Personal consequences, right? Personal consequences. What I can learn. From yes. But you know, Ernie. The common theme that I've been telling you from, from the beginning of our discussions and stuff, uh, nobody is completely 100% good or 100% bad. Even very good people are bad in certain aspects of their life, and very bad people have some noble qualities in them. You know? Right. <laughs> so, right. so the question is then... Right. Well, so that's of course not. Well, yeah, but the question is, can we even evaluate individual actions and say they were absolutely good or bad? Or is it really like, you know, well, it depends on your perspective, right? From the perspective of the consumer, this was good. From the perspective of, you know, know, perspective of the competitor. Yeah. 
Hello? Hello? Yep, sorry, I dropped uh, yeah, I dropped off for I don't know what reason. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so your end. Okay. All right. Yeah, well, but this is the idea that it depends on the perspective and the context in which you evaluate things. Right? Is that there is no like I guess maybe human beings do not have God's perspective. Is probably a simple way of putting it. Okay. And therefore, when we make these decisions, we can say, well, within this context, with these goals, this was either good at achieving those goals or bad at achieving those goals, right? If the goal was to preserve America as a, as a series of small producers, then Rockefeller was clearly bad. If the goal was to make kerosene as cheap and reliable as possible, then Rockefeller was good. And within those okay. perspectives, you can make clear statements. It's just, you know, uh, apart from those perspectives, without defining your perspective, it's almost meaning, I'm, I'm arguing, it's almost, mm -hmm. it's almost meaningless to talk about good and evil. Okay, that's what I was going to stop, stop right there. So yes. everything that we do, good or evil, for example, I travel four kilometers, maybe one kilometer to get the cheapest gas, okay? Yes. So I go to that gas station. In a, uh, instead of the mom and pop gas station that is one block from my house, and is, is that good and evil come in there? Well, how, how about good and bad? Okay, is that good or bad? What I well, I think, I, I think well, I think you say well, it's bad for the mom and pop store, <laughs> right? From that perspective. Uh, I mean, yeah. there, there is a case where at some point you're driving, uh, the, from from your perspective, like, is your goal to, what is, uh, uh, this is the thing we talk about. There's there's intent, there's incentives, and there's impact, hmm. right? Okay. It's and it's you can, so like, if your intent is to uh, save gas, or like, so like no, so save money. No, no. Save, save money. to save money. Save money for right. my grandchildren. So <laughs> okay, so given a so relative to an intent, you could say, well, yeah. there is a scenario where you spend so much time driving around, you actually end up wasting more, you know, you you you, you end up wasting time. You could be spending on other things that would generate money for your grandchildren. So relative to your intent, you can say this was good or bad, yeah. right? Uh, but and it's like, okay, there's the intent of what you have. And then yeah. there's the impact of what you have, hmm. right? Yeah. So it's like, okay, you know, the, um, and there's also a coordination problem of, you know, like, does it make any difference if one person does it versus everyone does it? Um, but we can maybe ignore that for now. Uh, so you can decide, like, things are, that's sort of my point, is that given a context, you can make statements yeah. about what's good or bad relative to that context. So it becomes relativity um, rather than absolute. It's a contextual statement, and does that imply some sort of moral activity, right? And that is an awkward question. Uh, it's funny, I've noticed that philosophers really hate relativism, but they disagree <laughs> about all the alternatives to relativism. Like they, they, they're allergic, they, like they will despise relativism, but they hate theism, they hate scholasticism, they hate authoritarianism. They absolutely cannot agree on any alternative to relativism. But would you say your relativism is like a bad world philosophy? Anyway, yeah. uh, that so, may be overstating so, it. But I, I mean, I anyway, it's a difficult, uh, it's a difficult uh, question yeah, because we can equalize everything. You can say that uh, your two gas stations are side by side. Instead of you're wasting gas and all that doesn't come into play. So all other things being equal, they're side by side. One of them is cheaper. You go to the cheaper one, or one of them offers, let's say, um, higher quality. You go there. And obviously there is some fallout for the other person. So yeah, and I think- I don't know whether yeah. morality comes in there, good and bad comes in there, because uh, sometimes that's the way 
things are, you know. Well, you but listen, isn't that like, you know, right, right. So, but then like the, um, right. So the, the, the challenge is, is like mm. these questions do matter, mm. right? There is a place where, you know, like if we allow, you know, this is why we, we're getting monopolies and trust busting, but it's also this, this change from, you know, autonomous, states and towns and small producers to these nationalized economies. Yeah. And I think the point is this, it's a trade-off. There is a trade-off here that is being made and it is a very large one. It's mostly irreversible and people have a right to be concerned and upset about it because yeah. we're trading off distributed autonomy for centralized mm. efficiency, right? right? Which right, means right. that one per because it means that one person has an, one person with very little accountability has an enormous amount of power, and you know I think I can make a case that the Otto Turnbulls of this world um, had a right to be angry, but they probably chose the wrong things to be angry about and what to do with it. Mm. Right, like I think the backlash at big, against big tech is you know, understandable and probably justified, but the way it's articulated and the way people respond to it is, it's bad, it's not evil, it's bad, it's counterproductive. Their intent is like they want to try and create, you know, so there's two things that are, that are challenging, like the outer turnbulls of this world. One is that, hmm. um, uh, um, is there any absolute standard of morality that we can use to judge other people's actions? I don't know about morality. See, that's the thing. See, Ernie, economics, right? Economics, yes. is, like you said, when you have um, centralization, there's more efficiency. And right. um, there is more advantage to consumers and stuff like that. Uh, like the, the, we are in a farming community, we have a lot of mom and pop farms. But if a big company Still? comes and takes over, or, the same thing happens, right? I mean, they can probably well, do it at a cheaper rate. Didn't that already happen, by the way? Didn't it already yeah. happen to Rochelle? I don't think there are already mom and pop farms left there. Is, is there still no, some? There are some, still some there. Still, yeah, they're there. They're there, but uh, okay. they're at a disadvantage. So, again, the question is. Is it good or bad? Is it moral or immoral? Is it ethical or unethical? Or what would Jesus do? <laughs> right, and the question is, of course, like, you know, and when does the means justify the ends? Right? Yeah, yeah exactly, you know, exactly. Right, you know, and, and, and these are hard questions. Yeah, and hard questions. The, no um, simple answers. There are no simple answers. Right, you know, but I think the, there are, I think there are meaningful answers. Hmm. Like one thesis I have on my other podcast is yeah. that the way that God seems to have designed the universe and certainly human societies is that the most generative system outcompetes the less efficient ones. And generally yeah. something is if you have a large cohesive society that is also adaptive, that will uh, outcompete them. Now, if you have one that's cohesive and the other one that's adaptive, Right. If you know, if you have a small, agile competitor, they can outcompete a large, cohesive bureaucracy um, that's not adaptive. But that's, that's why I use this word generativity instead of cohesive and adaptive. Yeah. And you know, and so from a practical perspective, you yeah. measure, you know, political. Uh, you're cutting out. Your... And it's like from that. Sorry. Oh, yeah. This is the. Say that again. Here, I mean, is that, that again. using the lens of generativity? Hmm. You know, the combination of a large cohesive organization, the larger and more cohesive you are, as well as the more nimble and adaptive you are, the more generative See. you are. And that is See. a metric I use hmm. to evaluate sort of legal, political, economic, social systems, is how generative they are. See, I think for me, uh, that is almost. Um, the way we progress, Ernie, because yeah, uh, almost the definition of progress. Before, yeah, when, when the uh, uh, when the uh, uh, automobile came in, uh, when the internal combustion engine came in, 
the yeah. uh, horse and buggies came obsolete. Right. Again, good old fashioned. So things like that. So to the weaker. The buggy maker. Then let's look at the flip side, right? We also it, it was with lead poisoning. You know, million. You know, was it four hundred Americans or four thousand Americans die every day? Forget all that. Four thousand Americans die every day. Yeah. Right. Like there's yeah. all these consequences of these changes. Yeah. And I think the point is, is first of all, I think generativity is the ultimate measure. But I think the other point is that every good thing, you know, even things that are good, that's good, there's sort of a karmic debt they incur. Like they're not on the alloy goods. There is a yeah, dark side the, yeah, to every. Put the good with the apostrophes. Put, put, put it within, with yeah, the quotation yeah. marks. Right. Yeah. Go ahead. And what's interesting, and, and 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 this is where the time evolution of these things matters, is when something yeah. is small, like I said, when Rockefeller cheats his, or 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 tricks his, you know, cruel manipulative partners, mm. selling him their shares, you know, at auction, you know, we cheer for him because he's the underdog and they're the big bad bullies. Yeah. Right. But there's still an asterisk. And as he gets more and more powerful, and his opponents become, you know, smaller and weaker relative to him, that asterisk mm. gets larger and larger. And mm. I think that's the thing that is, which, which is shockingly difficult, because uh, like one of the things we talked about is that well, you know, they're supposed to trade everyone the same listed rate, and they didn't, and it wasn't obvious. And huh, this sounds a lot like the discussion we had about your billing practices last episode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you know, and it's like, is it okay for me to put an asterisk on your billing practices? No, I don't think so. I think it's my money. I can do whatever way I want. <laughs> and I'm using right, it for so a like, noble cause. <laughs> Helping people. <laughs> But you know, Ernie, right. not only, you know, but I also write a lot of stuff, right? And I mean, I didn't do this only for, uh, I told you, I uh, for pastors and other doctors, I don't take the money beyond insurance. But every month, I'll get a list. Okay, we, insurance paid 80% of it. These people haven't paid 20% of their share. I'll write it off. Mm -hmm. oh, was that again immoral? Because I took I, only I what the insurance that. company gave. I didn't send them to collection. I didn't send. I had an option. Yeah. Of so let me ask you this question, Dad. Yeah. Let me ask yeah. you this question. Yeah. Did anyone know what criteria you used for deciding that? No. What? Well, yeah, I did it. No. Okay. So, so let me ask you this: What if there was a doctor in town or a town somewhere who did the exact same thing, and he? automatically gave all of his white patients mm. the discount and all of his patients from different ethnicities or whatever had to pay the full 20% list price. Would that give you qualms? Yeah, but, but that, that brings us another dimension. I didn't do that on the basis of anything. How do right. we know? Well, but that was the point. You do because, this thing, because I did it to pastors yeah. and not non-pastors? Well, I don't but I also did it on so, the so that's why there's an asterisk. Right? Uh, yeah, no, yeah, maybe is that the, an asterisk because okay, this is, right, right, is, you can believe hmm. that the criteria you is moral and right and justified, but you can imagine someone else doing the exact same act with different motives and values that they think is justified, but you would consider immoral. Well, I think it's right. ultimately it's between your, your your heart and God, right? Why you do it? The motivation is it? Why you do I it? Mean, at some point, God, doesn't it become God a matter of right. legality? But I mean, I the question is, is that well, <laughs> so that's an interesting. So does that mean that all of so the question is on Rockefeller's business dealing, or is it just between him and God? Yeah. See, the thing is, this you know, I mean, I. Uh, Nobody else knows this except you and me. I don't think even mom knows this, I, that what I did. See? Well, now everyone is, our podcast know, so my, my motivation, <laughs> my motivation, you know, you know, motivation is to not to see, oh, he's a great guy. He didn't uh, send people to collection or anything like that, right? I just did what I thought was right at the time. 
I understand. Then, but here, yeah. Yeah. Well, like, well, I'm so not saying say, it's bad. I, I, uh, I'm saying it's a good thing. Right? No, but the, well, I think, I think the idea, the motivation is important, right? Why you do it is important, right? When you forgive somebody, their well, debt. Right, but the ask. question is, of course, is so right. But the question is, is that so? In the simple, naive, obvious case, okay. well, surely to do one act of good for one person seems like a, a simple, virtuous thing. And yet, if you do it for one person but not the other, you know, you know, that raises questions, right? Like you said, and then like I said, from your perspective, you know your motives are pure. You know okay. the criteria no, no, you're, I don't you're think doing you can say that there. I don't think you can say that because there are a lot of people. Isn't that what you just said? Treatment. No, no, no. Uh-huh. Uh, a lot of people, I did free treatment. Yes. So what does that so mean? So you're that a good means, man. No, no. You, can, you cannot say that's bad because you didn't give free treatment to everybody. Did I say it was bad? Right? Because you know, it's possible that somebody called me and said, one of the referring doctors said, you know, this guy is really poor and uh, he doesn't have money. Why don't you operate free? I did. And right. was and that so, wrong? So, so the question, your so, point of well, view, no, that's wrong because sorry, you didn't everybody free. Did, did, interesting. You're hearing something I did not say. Yeah. No, no. I'm just, how do you say right? that? No, you, don't, you didn't say that. But if you extend it, would that mean? That, Sorry, you know, did, 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 you're, you're, you're did you hear somebody? my question? Yes. What is the question? <laughs> what is the question? What is the question? The, what is the question? The question is, yeah. why right. does this matter? Right? What is the question we should be asking? Right? Is that, okay. you know, the, the, right, and I think the, the, I think we made, we agreed that no person is 100% good or 100% evil. Right? We've agreed on that. Mm. Right? Yeah. You yeah. said that. Right? Yeah, so I, mean, I would argue <laughs> no act. What I would argue is that no act mm. is 100% good or 100% evil. Uh, in that there's well, all awkward balance. Because you would like the, we would like to think that from our perspective, I am acting with pure motives and I see only upside to the choices I am making. No, but no, the reality is that you don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. No act is 100% good, 100% bad. There are certain things that are 100% good, there are certain things that are 100% bad. Okay, name one. There are noble acts that happen, you know, but they're not 100% so, so bad. No, how, how many noble acts do you know that backfire? Like giving food to someone who is hungry. Okay. Yeah. Seems like a yeah. nice thing. What if you're doing it in yeah. front of a uh, someone else's store and people gather there and crowd it out? What if these people end up dependent on your bread giving and stop losing their work ethic? What if, right? Everything has consequences. All the consequences, good, and not all of them are ones in control. I mean, we know that, right? We've seen places where the rice culture you know, poisoned India's perspective of Christianity, right? Right, And whether it's okay, the any individual act by itself seems fine in isolation, but what happens if you do it more often? What happens if you do it in certain contexts? What if other people do the same exact act with slightly different motives? Like, you know, is it- is no, there, but, 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 it, but, but you're generalizing it. Now that particular act, well, yeah. so you are saying, what if everybody's doing it or whatever is different? But one particular so, person well, acting in one particular way, that uh, can be 100% good. So, so, so this is my Helping of somebody. Is that, so oh, you're saying. So that is that what I'm saying is precisely that, well, is it like, okay, if one person does it, it's 100% good. And then if two people do it, 100%, but then somewhere around like 50 or 100 or whatever, then it becomes 99% good. What I'm arguing no, 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 is that that no, one act no, might be, where do you draw the line? No, no, I'm talking about only individual acts. That can be 100% okay, you're you're saying, saying the individual the act be... itself. Well, let's say giving money to the poor, yeah. right? If I give yeah. to somebody who's really deserving and that, that particular act is good, but what you're saying is 
if you give money to somebody who's a lazy bum and he doesn't work because he's depending upon you to give every month, then it's not good. So the act you're thinking so, about the every act maybe, but particular instance. So I, I, I'm arguing. What I'm arguing is so. So the the hypothetical is where I'm going to pin you down, Father. Okay. You said if they are you saying that they are one hundred percent deserving, and therefore your act is a hundred percent good? Yeah, or are you saying I they received, are mostly? You, you actually believe there are people. So you believe there are people who are one hundred percent deserving, and that the act is one hundred percent good and will have zero negative consequences. Is that what you are claiming? Sure. No, say, let's say that uh, one of my uh, professors uh, was kind huh? to me and, uh, and taught me everything that he knows and uh, made sure that uh, I became a good surgeon. That's a good act. I received kindness from some people. That's a good act. So it's a, cannot, it's a positive act. It. Yeah. Okay, so, so, so there are things that are good, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Right, but but the, the, the precise claim is: Are you really willing to stake your soul on the fact that that is one hundred percent good? There are a lot of things like that, but you cannot generalize. All people doing the same thing may not be good. No, for, like forget that. But like even your one thing, like it was a good thing, right? Does that mean it was one hundred percent good that there were no downsides to the training he gave you? That there weren't any maybe unhealthy so. habits of mind. I mean, I, that was one example. Or, there are so many other things I received kindness from people. It was 100%. It was timely. Right. What so, needed. Okay. And so, it helped me. That's so good. that's fascinating. Right. Mm -hmm. so, if so what I'm hearing you say, there are things that you consider good yeah. because they were done with good motives and had good effect, and therefore you are justified in claiming yeah. those, those acts are, were 100% good. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and that is something that I fundamentally, but yet there's other things that people do that they may think were 100% yeah. good that you would have legitimate reasons. Well, actually, you know, maybe that's like Rockefeller. Like, I would yeah. say that, like, you know, it's like these things were like maybe you cheating as partners was 99% good, you know, yeah. cheating the oil, the you know, kicking the railroads was 90% good, and that. You know, you know, he, he it goes down the line as he gets more and more powerful. Some of these things are maybe 50-50, and there's it's a more complicated, nuanced thing. So it, it's an interesting question. Yeah. Uh, this gets into another thing maybe we'll discuss there, which is I that, don't know. We're running out of time. Uh, I think we mean. We, I'm sure we'll talk yeah. about it again and again, and maybe I'll Next think step, of other yeah. examples as it goes along. There are certain things uh, that happen that are 100% good. So we'll talk. We'll keep right. that in the back of our mind. Yeah, and, and I'll just give you one just uh, unfair example okay. I, I would okay. come back to, which is uh, uh, the, the death and resurrection of Jesus, the crucifixion of yeah. Jesus. Because yeah. that is the thing that is the easiest thing to make. You can make the case that it is a 100% good thing because it saved the world, and the case that it's a 100% evil thing because it was a violent, illegal, immoral yeah. betrayal, right? And yeah. it's like, yeah. you know, if if... You know, if the standard of 100% good is Christ sacrificing himself for the world, and that's also the standard for the most evil thing, uh, maybe good and evil are more nuanced and complex than we like to think they are. And that reaches right into the question of why. Why is that the question we even bother asking? Okay. So let me, let me conclude right. with this. There are certain things that are 100% sure. good. There are certain things that are 100% bad, but a lot of things fall in between. Every uh, every good thing may have some bad consequences. So I don't know the percentages of that, but uh, as we go along, maybe we'll come across examples of some some things that are 100% good with good intentions, uh, good uh, results, and uh, uh, good consequences and everything else. So we'll think about keep it in the back of our mind and and uh, do that. But maybe you are right; the majority of them may fall in the the middle. All the good things that happen will also have some bad consequences. Anyway, that's how I look at it. <laughs> All right. We will see okay. uh, if that be there's, there's two questions, right? One, is that true? And the question is, yeah. why would it matter? Why does it matter to you whether it is? Like, what is at stake if you have to acknowledge the possibility that no action is 100% good? What changes in your understanding of reality yeah. in yourself? Because this is a question I run into quite a bit. Okay. We and have to leave I'm, it at I'm, that. I'm, I'm actually curious.
Okay, love you. You want to talk for a minute after this or no? Sure. Okay. Okay, we'll hang up and then call. Bye. Okay, bye. Yeah. You can call me. Okay, bye. Okay, bye-bye.